Uh, I was thinking about Ukraine this week, as we've already talked a little bit, and we were having a conversation with our kids and, and talking a little bit about, you know, uh, nukes being positioned and readied and all that. And so one of our kids was like, are we safe? You know, what does this mean for us? And, and so, and we were able to say, you know, yeah, we're, we're, we're fine at this point. It doesn't seem like it's escalating to that level. We're fine. But it made me think about kids in Ukraine who are asking the same question. They're having breakfast with their mom and dad and going, um, what does this mean? And the parents are saying, right? Whole different thing than me with my kids. Uh, and so I, I just think as the people of God, I want to encourage us to turn our attention maybe to the news, but allow the news to take you to prayer. And, and if you're reading an article or something, sometimes it has spin, sometimes it doesn't, but allow it to take you to prayer. And just pray for kids and families and real people who are in crisis. And pray for the leaders, pray for Putin, pray for Biden, pray for uh, NATO, pray for wisdom, pray for the Holy Spirit to work, pray, pray for people to find Jesus through crisis, right? Sometimes the, the bad stuff is what is the only thing that makes people turn their eyes up. And that, that's an unfortunate part of human nature. But let's pray that eyes would go to the Lord, not to fear, not to, uh, not to depression, not to escape, not even anxiety, but eyes would go here. Right on? So Lord, we just lift up uh, brothers and sisters in Ukraine, those who know you, uh, and Lord, those who can come to know you through this. We ask for wisdom for leaders. We ask for peace in the middle of the crisis. I don't know how you're going to do that, but Lord, we, we can ask as your kids. And so help us to even direct our prayers strategically this week. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? Uh, so I want to thank John for preaching last week. Would you thank him for taking one on? And uh, we got a chance to get away as a family and get out of cell coverage. I highly recommend it. So we literally had three and a half days with no cell phone thing. My kids were a little unnerved, like, what is, how do you do this? Um, but it, it was just fantastic to, to have a great time together as a family, tune in with the Lord, tune in with each other, make some, make some memories. And, uh, and, and it's nice to be able to walk away as a pastor and know that everything's going to be fine and that you guys will probably be here when we get back. Uh, so today we're going to jump back into Nehemiah, and ju just to rewind the, uh, the tape a little bit, um, Nehemiah chapter 1, uh, he receives word from his brother and some friends that Jerusalem is in bad shape, and he is uh, a, uh, a servant in the king, he's the cupbearer, king's court, he's a cupbearer uh, in Persia, and so they, they hear that Jerusalem is in really bad shape. So one thing that I love about Nehemiah is he doesn't just sit and stew and be depressed. He prays, he fasts, and he cries. But he knows that when things are out of his control, he knows there's one place he can go, right? So that's chapter one. Chapter two is he has an opportunity to be part of the change. So he asks the king for the impossible. And you don't ask the king for favors. 
especially if you're a servant. It's putting your life in your hands. But God gave him favor and faith. He asked the king for building materials and safe passage, and he got more than he expected. He got time off from work to go rebuild a city and with the king's blessing. And this is interesting. The previous king had passed an edict that said that city will never be rebuilt. And so this king said, I don't care about what he said. That's the Holy Spirit working in somebody's life, right? So Nehemiah goes, and then chapter 3, they're rebuilding the wall. The people are on board. There's great excitement along with all the hard work. Most of the people are involved in rebuilding, and a few of them you know, are tuned out. That's up to you guys. I'm, I'm going to sit this one out. So now we get into chapter 4. Today, uh, we're going to be talking about opposition. Doesn't that sound fun? Aren't you glad you came today? Uh, but, but I want to ask this, this question as we get into it. Um, we're doing this Nehemiah series for a reason. And the thing that has been on my heart for us as a church is this question. What are you building as, as a child of God? What are you building in 2022? What is your life building? We all will build something. The question is, will it matter, right? Or will it not matter? Because we all are t- spending time on something. And then the other part is this, who are you building with? Because if you try to build the right thing, but you don't have the right people around you, it's not going to happen. And so as you look into the, this new year, be thinking, what, what God do you want to build in and through my life, and who should be around me to do this? And you might say, I got nobody. Bring that to the Lord and say, I got nobody. And he'll say, you got me, and let's find you some others, right? Or you might say, I don't know what my life's supposed to be. I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to be building. I don't. Ask him. Right? And, and if you, how many of you are parents? If your child comes to you and says, what do you think I should focus on this year? Odds are you're going to tell them. Right? Because you love them. You believe in them. You know what's best. You've been around the sun a few more times than they have. And so our Heavenly Father will tell you if you ask him, what should my life be all about? He will show you. That's just how it works. Amen. Okay. So here's a question. How do you handle it when you're trying to do everything right, you're trying to follow the Lord, you're serving Him, and things are not going well? How do you deal with that? How do you handle it? What does it do in your heart? What does it do in your spirit when you feel that discouragement of like, but I thought I was doing this right. How come things stink so bad right now? And how do you feel when you're trying to do it right, you're seeking the Lord, you're praying, you're, you know, you're, you're walking along with Jesus, and your Christian brothers and sisters are giving you grief. They're opposing you, they're challenging you, they're calling you names, they're, they're running the wrong way, or when you have uh, them, somebody turn against you, when you have somebody accuse you of something that's not true. I got to tell you, the last couple years have turned up the heat on our emotions, and, and I heard uh, one psychologist say that what's inside got turned up. So the good stuff that was in there came out. The bad stuff was in there, boy, did that come out. And so there's just, we've been in a pressure cooker. And so some people in my life have not been responding the way they normally would. There's more... Uh, more animosity, more aggression, kind of what you're talking about, Peter, the thing that he brought this morning, that 
people are snapping where they wouldn't normally snap. It's interesting. So, so this is all part of Nehemiah's story. He's doing the right thing. God told him what to do, put it on his heart. He gets the favor. He goes, takes the steps. He's prayerfully leading. He's going after it. And then he hits opposition. He hits tough stuff. That's what we're going to talk about today because it's part of life. Did you hear me say that? So some churches, some pastors, some movements will say, hey, if you're following the Lord, if you're doing things right, it should go well. You know, you'll, you'll health and wealth and you're, you're all over it. That's not really what the Bible says. The Bible talks about God's blessing. It also talks about persecution and hard times. Because, and, and it doesn't necessarily think, say that those things are different from each other. God's blessing is happening even while difficult things happen. It can happen like that. Okay, so let's look at this. Um, we're going to jump into Nehemiah chapter 4. You can turn there. Uh, in, in, a, in a Bible or in your Bible app on your phone. I know a lot of you are going that way these days. Um, but I've had conversations with a couple people this last week that made this really real, uh, actually two weeks ago. Um, one person I talked with said, why are things so hard right now? Uh, do you think God is punishing me? And we got into that conversation a little bit, and it seemed clear, no, God is not punishing this person. It's just some hard things are happening. But sometimes we interpret, or we jump to conclusion. We say, well, and then I talked with somebody else who said, maybe I'm not following Jesus very well because this is far too difficult. I must be screwing up because it's not supposed to be like this. And somebody else that I talked with said, how could my Christian friends say this about me? I thought they knew me. Uh, it's interesting. This is real, like real life. So this is not some, you know, 3,000 years old uh, story that's not applicable now. Uh, God wants to use the experience of Nehemiah and how his spirit worked in Nehemiah's life to help us know what to do when it gets real, when it gets hard, when we feel frustrated. So, so let me pray. Lord, we need your help. Holy Spirit, we need your guidance. I ask that you'd give us insight right now. All of us are facing different things in our lives, and some of them are easy and some of them are hard. Uh, but Lord, I ask that you'd prepare us for whatever's ahead, and Lord, that you would help some of us who are frustrated and stuck to trust you, to get unstuck, uh, and, and Lord, to see how you're working in the middle of those situations. Thanks, Jesus. Amen. Nehemiah 4, starting in verse 1. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? I was going to wear a little turban and do the voice, but I decided it's a little too far. Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? He's a heckler, right? Can they bring stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? So he's, he's a, a, agreeing. The city's in bad shape, right? But he's heckling about it. Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what are they building? Even a fox uh, climbing up on it would break down that wall of stones. So look what Nehemiah does. He prays. Hear us, O God, for we're despised. 
Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. That's what happened to his people because of their sin. And he's saying, well, these guys are sinning. Lord, how about the same kind of thing? Verse 5, don't cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insult in the face of the builders. How many of you have a little, in your, in your Bible, do you have a little uh, letter there? Maybe a B or a little asterisk or something? So there's another way of translating that phrase, and it's this. They have aroused your anger before the builders. So basically he's saying, uh, God, they have not just been mean to us. They're accusing you of being messed up. God, notice that they are angering you in in front of us. So look at verse 6. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. For the people worked with all, its, all their heart. I love this little turn because you're, you're hearing the, the enemy say, you guys are worthless. You can't do this. It's impossible. It'll never happen. And even if you try something, it's going to be... And then Nehemiah goes, let's work harder. So, and, and what did they do in the face of opposition? They prayed and they took action. So... Hear us, O God, that he said, and we rebuilt the wall to half of its height. Prayer, action, prayer, action. We'll notice this pattern. So then they lived happily ever after. No, no, that's not really how it worked. Nehemiah 4, 7. When Sanballat, Tobiah, and the, the Arabs and Ammonites and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs of Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. I think it's interesting how even the words that are written here by Nehemiah, they kind of dial it down rather than dial it up. So all of their enemies want to come and kill them. And he says, they were stirring up some trouble. I, I think it's interesting. Just It's almost like a little joke in Hebrew. It's like, eh, you know, all the bad guys are going to come kill us because they think that's going to stir up some trouble. It's pretty wild. Verse 9, but we prayed to our God and we posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. What did they do when they faced opposition and increased trouble? Same thing, right? They prayed, they took action. I love this simple pattern, and I wish somebody had told it to me 40 years ago. Pray, take action. Because sometimes in our lives, we stress and we quit. Or we worry and we gossip. Or we, right? we do something different than pray, take action. Ask God to do his part, do my part. Pretty simple pattern here. So when you face opposition, when you face trouble, what's your go-to? Now don't say it out loud because everyone will look at you like, right? Is, it, is your go-to wine? Is your go-to a phone call to somebody to complain? Is your go-to crying and giving up? Is it binge-watching Netflix? What, 
What's the go-to when things get hard, when you face opposition, when things are not fair, when it's not what you expected? Let's learn from this. Let's pray first. And, and here's the other thing. Um, sometimes we pray like this. Lord, would you please help me with that thing? And then we move on and do our thing that we were going to do. I think, I think it honors the Lord if we stay in that attitude of prayer. And we don't jump to red wine and Netflix, right? What if we stay there and say, Lord, this has got me. This is capturing me. This is bugging me. This is harassing me. I don't get it. It's not fair. And, and we keep not complaining. We keep asking because it shows humility and it shows faith. And we're like, I can't do this. And the Lord's like, I know. I want to help you. Let's do this together, right? And sometimes if, if we, instead of pray and take action, if we stress and give up, guess what? Our lives are not used for his glory. Our lives are no longer building his kingdom. And that's what the enemy wants. He wants to frustrate the building of Christ's kingdom on earth. So he wants us to go, that's too hard, I give up. He wants us to have a pity party and storm out the door. That's what he wants. He wants people to give up on each other. He wants people to give up on the Lord. He wants people to give up on church and gathering and his word and prayer. Give up on the Holy Spirit. Notice what you see. People giving up on all kinds of things. Because it matters. (laughs) And the enemy wins. So step one, pray. Lord, please do your part. Right? And, And step two, do your part. What's my part in this? How can I take action? And, and it takes a little discernment because sometimes we try to do God's part and we want God to do our part. So it takes a little discernment to go like, okay, wait. So God, you do your, power, your powerful part on high and please give me the strength to take some next steps in this situation and not give up. So now they lived happily ever after. Did you read the head? You read ahead. Okay, I guess that's allowed. Yeah, he got the notes last night. He cheated. So Nehemiah 4, verse 10. No, they did not live happily ever after yet. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot build the wall. So suddenly, they were doing fine. They rebuilt the wall halfway. Things are moving along all right. But now it gets a little hard. And look at verse 11. Also, our enemies have said this. Before they know it or see us, we'll be right there among them. We'll kill them and put an end to the work. And then the Jews who lived near them, they came and told us 10 times. I think there's a little exaggeration happening here, right? Wherever you turn, they will attack us. So what happened was the people were doing hard work. They were getting a little tired. It was getting a little harder. And they started listening to the naysayers, the evil voices. They started listening to the people who were gossiping. They started listening to all the junk rather than to the Lord. Rather than to what the Lord wanted to do, their little doubt became big because they listened to the wrong voices. So the workers themselves started to turn on Nehemiah. So um, I feel like this is it's a, another picture of this is like Peter. Do you remember St. Peter? He took a walk on the water. And then what happened? It was going fine. 
And then he started paying attention not to Jesus, but to the wind and the waves and all the stuff, and then he started falling, right? And, and I feel like that's what happened with these guys. They stopped focusing on the work. They stopped focusing on the Lord. They started listening to all, oh, look at all the voices, and they started falling. Do you ever do that when things get hard? You ever start listening to voices ar- around you? Start listening to the wrong voices? Let, let's talk about voices for a minute, because I feel like this is something that is really prevalent uh, in our culture, even in our churches, in our families, in our lives, in me, listening to the wrong voices. And that's what happened. It wasn't just the rubble in the way. The rubble in the way, they could come up with a plan and go, oh, let's move the rubble first, and then let's build the wall. But the rubble in the way gave them pause, and they went, ooh, look at all. Ooh, wait, I'm going to listen to you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and then I'm going to complain against Nehemiah and the Lord, and everything stops, right? So what kind of voices are there in our lives? Uh, People around you. That's one. So if you notice, you have balcony people in your life, people who bring you up. And you have basement people in your life, people who bring you down, right? (laughs) Which one do you think I like better? So I think sometimes it's helpful to not see every voice as equal in your life and say, is this person a balcony person or is this person a basement person or how does the Lord want to use their voice in my life? Should I even listen to their voice in my life? And, and uh, I was doing some, some reading um, on inner voices and our, our inner conversation, uh, inner dialogue a little bit over the last few months. And, and something that is interesting is sometimes people give their inner voice a name. And sometimes it's the name of a teacher they had in school that they liked or didn't like. Sometimes it's an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent. Or, and it's interesting how um, sometimes some adult, when we're little, says something critical to us, and that becomes part of our inner voice. You'll never amount to anything. You, you're this, you're that. And that becomes part of this thing that's happening in us. So, so in addition to these people in our lives that are bring us up, bring us down, or most of them are probably in the middle, we also have an inner voice. And sometimes the worst critic in your life is you. I know that's true of me. So that has been my story in a big way, is the worst, the worst voice in my life is me. So I will, often I will, you know, drive home on Sunday evaluating how did that go. And, and my inner voice would be like, oh, you could have done that better. Oh, you, you know, that part, that's, that joke never, that didn't work. You shouldn't have even tried that. You should probably not be a pastor. You know, there's... There's all this stuff happening in there. Now, thankfully, it's not just about pastoring. It's about other things. Because I'll, I'll go bass fishing, and then I'll be driving home, and then my inner voice is like, you blew that. <laughs> like, why did you use green? You should have used purple, clearly. I mean, what's wrong with you? And, but, but sometimes our inner critic becomes the boss, not the Holy Spirit, Right? And, and so we start listening to this. Now, I was reading an, an article about our inner voice, and uh, Jenna Pincott, a psychologist, she said the paradox of the inner critic is that it, it attacks and undermines you in order to protect you from shame. I thought that was an interesting flip. 
So, so there's something in human nature that says, here, you should just give up so that you don't fail, so that somebody doesn't look at you because you tried the thing and it didn't work. So, so stop short of the goal because maybe the goal won't work. I think that happened with the wall. They were building the wall, and then they, they had this huge temptation to give up because what if it didn't work out? What would that mean? What if we tried the wall and it didn't, and it wasn't a success? What if, what if, right? I think in our lives, sometimes we stop short of the goal because there's something inside of us short-circuiting it on the way because if, if it doesn't happen the way we expect, there's shame associated with that. And the Lord wants to change all those rules and say, if I've given you something to do, do it. And, and if it doesn't come out the way you expect, that's on him. That's not on you. And if other people look at you and they want to be basement people and say, like, that stunk, then you say, well, I tried, and the Lord gave me this, this calling, this vision, this purpose, and I have to go after it. It's not for you. I'm not here to please you. I'm here to please him. Now, for me, my inner voice created in me this, this desire to please people that's too strong. And, and, I've had, and he's been working on me this last couple of years to say, uh-uh. It's not about pleasing people. And so if I've been mean to you, sorry, but it's, it's kind of this new thing that the Lord is doing in me where I say no to stuff and I say yes to stuff and I, I have to not be so worried about what the other person thinks. Okay, so let's look at, those are some, some physical voices. Let's look at spiritual voices. There are two primary ones. You got the Holy Spirit and you got the devil. Very different voices in our lives, right? Now, the Holy Spirit often speaks through God's Word into my life. One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to remind us of things that Jesus said, remind us of things that are true in Scripture, right? And, and so there's a huge contrast between the two. In fact, the Holy Spirit is called our comforter, our guide, right, and our advocate, while the enemy, the devil, is called the accuser of the saints, these are the opposite things. So you've got the prosecutor and the defense attorney, right? And the prosecutor never stops. So he is always accusing you of all kinds of stuff if you are listening to that. And, and I want to say this, those voices are not equal. The Holy Spirit's voice is much more powerful if we allow it to be in our lives, right? So it's not about the little angel on one shoulder and the little devil on the other one, and they always you know, are fighting and they get equal voice. No. We can listen to the Holy Spirit, and we need to. So let me give you a little, let's play a little game. I'm going to give you a statement. You can tell me, would the Holy Spirit say this, or would the devil say this? Okay? You're a loser, and you always will be. Okay? Good? You are a beloved child of God. Okay? God doesn't really care about your suffering. Okay? You're just going to fail again, so you should probably quit. You can do the impossible with my help. I think you got 100%. And even when we sin, the voices are totally different. They're not the same. So, so the enemy brings condemnation. See, you are a failure. There's proof of it. You screwed up again. You are that. You are what you did, right? 
But the Holy Spirit, in contrast, brings conviction, which is different than condemnation. Conviction is, that's not who you are. You can do this better. Let's do it together. Use my help. Uh, allow me to help you through this next time. We learn from it. We're not defined by it. Does that make sense? Why do we listen to those voices? Man, and, and we see this picture in Nehemiah of them listening to the wrong voices. As Christians in 2022, we are called to rebuild what's broken. And man, there's more broken than ever before, right? Some stuff just continues to fall apart around us. There are people around us that need rebuilding. A culture needs rebuilding. Uh, truth needs rebuilding. Grace needs rebuilding. Even compassion and justice need rebuilding according to God's word and his plan. And sometimes we feel like we have to choose one or the other. I have to choose people or culture. I have to choose uh, grace or truth. I have to... we, we're not able to choose. We're actually not allowed to choose one or the other as God's people because they're all his. These are his objectives for us as people, and that makes it complicated and purposeful and powerful and beautiful. And he's calling us to get our hands dirty and to get involved and not give up and say, like, well, that's too much. The people ran into rubble and listened to voices and gave up, right? And God is saying, as his people in 2022, no, don't give up. Even if the voices around you, even if your Christian brothers and sisters are listening to fear and they're running away and they're shutting down and they're isolating, don't do it. Get your hands dirty. Keep working at the wall. And I believe that God, through his spirit, is going to do more through your hands in eternity than you think is possible. And you may not even see it. You may be involved in conversations in the jacuzzi at 2 a.m. with your friends, and God's using them. And you may be bringing help to your friend over the phone who feels like giving up, and God will use that because that friend will help so-and-so who will help so-and-so. You meet this person in heaven that you have no idea who they are, and they'll say, thank you so much. And you'll say, I don't even know who you are. And I'll be like, remember when you were on the phone with Susie and you encouraged her to not leave her husband, not leave the faith, and then it all... Well, Susie, 12 years later, helped me with this, and thank you so much. We don't know. But, but we put our stone in the wall, and then Michelle puts her stone in the wall, and then, you know, Len puts his stone in the wall, and then the Lord builds something powerful. Right on. But some of us, we end up listening to the wrong voices. And, and I feel like right now, especially, we've noticed that fear can give you a platform. Fear can give you influence. And there are a lot of Christian voices and non-Christian voices that through fear and dread have created an audience for themselves and, and, I, and I believe have pulled a lot of people away from the work that God wants to do in the church, through the church, in the culture, in the community, and, and it's awful. So we need to be listening to, Jesus, what would you say to us in this moment in time? And, and I believe the Lord wants to say a few things to us. One is this, remember your call. The call didn't change because things got hard. The calling that you had five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, to be a person who follows Jesus and loves him and influences others for him, that has not changed. And, and remember your identity. You're a child of the king. You don't have to listen to the lies of the enemy. You, 
If the enemy tells you that you're a screw-up, you're like, I know. Isn't it so great that God saved me? And, and if he tries to tell you about your future, you can remind him of his. Right? And, and we have to remember our first love. Uh, way above politics, way above causes, we love Jesus Christ. We're called Christ ones. We follow him above anything else. If anything else fights with that, we let it go. And we have to remember why we're here. We're here to love and serve and influence others. And if it becomes all about us, becomes all about our little in-group, rather than reaching those who don't yet know him, we've missed it. That's part of rebuilding what the Lord wants to build. So what did Nehemiah do in response to even his friends, even his countrymen, even his own builders saying, "Uh -uh, I'm out. What did he do? He doubled his efforts and he pointed people to the Lord. And so he prayed and he took action again. So look at these verses. Verse 13. Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest parts of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with swords, spears, and bows. I love, this is like military action, like he's not screwing around. He's like, we're not giving up. In fact, get your, get your goodies on, right? Go, go get your rifles and let's, let's get ready. And then he says in verse 14, after I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials, the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And look at, I love, this is interesting to me in the verse. He doesn't say, he will fight for you. Now he means that, but he says, and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. So he says, remember the Lord is awesome and fight. So there's this, this is that balance again of God do your part, I'm going to do my part. And, and they're not saying, you know, Lord, show me if I should ever pick up my sword. Lord, show me if I should go out there and fight those bad guys. They're assuming, pick up your sword and fight the bad guys. And pray like crazy. It's not either or. This is a both and kind of living. And I see this in Christian life a lot. I see people sitting around waiting for the Lord to show them what to do. And the Lord's like, I got a, you got a world to save. You, you've got a culture to build. You've got a community to create. Like, why are you sitting on your you-know-what? Like, are you serious? And so someone once said it's like this. It's really hard to turn a ship that's not moving. And that's, that's the truth. Once it's moving, you can turn it around. In our lives, we need to be moving towards the Lord and doing things He's already shown us what to do. And in that obedience, He'll show us the next thing. And if we're sitting around waiting for Him, for him to tell us anything to get started, we're already disobedient. I'm just going to throw it out there for, for your edification. So God will fight for us, but we need to fight as well. So what if Nehemiah had listened to the naysayers and given up? Because a lot of leaders, right, if they were listening to their inner voice of, you know, maybe you misheard the Lord, maybe... 
Maybe you shouldn't be building the city of Jerusalem. Maybe it is too hard. It's been 100 years. The last four people failed. Maybe you're just number five. What if he had listened to all of that? The city would never have been built. The people would never have had their, their pride back, their nation back, their identity back. And we would never have this book to study and understand what, what facing opposition is all about. We would not be learning from his example now. Now, maybe you're thinking, here's another thing that's been on my heart this, this week. Maybe you're thinking, that's not fair what God did to Nehemiah. That sucks. To put him up, to set him up in this place, and then to have all the enemies against him and his own people turn against him, that's just not fair. How could God do that to somebody? I mean, where is God in, in, in the middle of this? Why, what, if, what if Nehemiah didn't have what it took? What if, what if he was just a normal guy? He was a normal guy. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a prophet. He was a servant who had a bunch of faith. And God used a normal guy, and he created an amazing leader to be an example to us of what God can do with normal people like us. How many of you are normal? Raise your hand. Okay. And, and so, so you might feel like God abandoned Nehemiah for a while. Like it turned around okay, but why would he do that? And you may feel, identify with that right now. You may feel like, I kind of feel abandoned. I feel like God pointed me in this direction, and then he's like, good luck out there. And you're like, I'm trying to do this, but it's hard. I'm trying to be single right now. I'm trying to be married right now. I'm trying to parent. I'm trying to have kids, and I can't. I'm, I'm trying to put, it, put up with this work situation that's I'm trying to deal with, I'm trying to serve the Lord. I'm trying to see this ministry happen. I'm trying to follow his vision, and then kind of feel alone, kind of feel like people are against me. Is he against me? And so I want to encourage you right now. He wants to encourage you. What voice will you listen to? Will you listen to his voice, which has not changed and will not change ever? Or will you change to the fi- listen to the fickle voices of the people in your life, the fickle voice of your internal, right, dialogue, or this other voice that won't ever change, the enemy who wants to tear you apart, ruin everything that God wants to do in and through your life, ruin you to your very core? Are you going to listen to those voices? So, so here, here's the thing that I, that I want to do for the next couple minutes as we, as we wrap this. What do you think God wants to say to you right now? And are you willing to listen to him? I don't know what you're facing. I don't know how hard it is. I don't know how easy it is. I don't know if you do feel abandoned. But odds are, based on the feedback I've been getting from some of you recently, you may feel like, yeah, I do feel pretty alone right now. And so I want to share some words of Scripture, and I hope that it is not Kirk reading the Bible to all of us because that's nice. Here's what it is. It's the Holy Spirit has chosen some voices for some some verses for us today that are from God's holy word that he wants to plant in your heart and they're going to grow allow him to plant these things in your heart so they can grow so that it knocks down the other voices so it overtakes them 
so you can continue and not feel abandoned and not feel alone and know that He is with you. Amen? Amen. So just listen to these verses. But He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. The context of that verse is Paul, who has a thorn in his flesh. We don't know what it is, probably a physical ailment. And he is a guy that God has used to heal thousands of other people. And he says, but God, I got this thing in my life that is not healed, and it hurts me daily. Will you please take it away? Three times he prayed. He had the elders of the church lay their hands on him that it would go away, and it did not. And then God said, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect when you are weak, not strong. He didn't want Paul to be totally strong so that the Holy Spirit could be strong through him. Wow. John 16, 33, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. <laughs> Not you might have trouble. You will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And again, context. I have told you these things. Jesus told them about the Holy Spirit. He told them about heaven. He told them about persecution. He said, I've told you these things so that you'll have peace. 1 Timothy 3.12, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If you're not presently persecuted, it'll come. If you're following the Lord and doing it right, be ready. 1 Peter 4.12, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening. Right? Things happen. We live on a planet where difficult things happen, especially spiritually difficult things when we're trying to do it right. And we can't be surprised. We can't let the, Lord, we can't let the enemy knock us over. We have to say, Lord, thank you for the heads up that it will get hard. Help me to not be surprised and help me to persevere with your help. And here's the last one, Deuteronomy 31. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them. Those are the enemies. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And that theme is all over the Old Testament and all over the New Testament. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And if any voice tells you otherwise, it's wrong. Amen? So I want to ask the band to come up and we are going to sing a song together called It Is Well. And very meaningful, very deep, very powerful. But what's been in my, in my mind for us, in my heart for us today is make it a question. Is it well? Is it well right now in your heart? Is it well right now in your spirit? Is it well right now in your life? Maybe it's not. And make, turn that into a prayer and say, Lord, please make it well. I, I want to be settled in you. I want to find my peace and my hope and my future in you. I don't want to give up. I don't want to listen to the voices that say it's not well. Because he is well. Do you remember the prayer, the prayer of Jesus? Um, Thy will be done on earth as, as it is in heaven. How's it going in heaven? 
pretty good, right? And so Jesus said, we need to be praying, we need to be pulling down that, that goodness, that reality, that, that fullness, that peace, that shalom into our lives. That his will, that, that who he is in heaven becomes reality on earth. It is well in heaven. May it be well in our lives. So if you want to sit, if you want to stand, if you want to kneel, if you want to pray, if you, whatever, just allow this song to sink in. And, and if it's not well, then bring that to the Lord too and say, Lord, please make it well. Amen?